The following program is intended for mature audiences. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend. Indeed it does. And we'll be right back, folks, after the first gem of the day.
Zira. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a classic of a classic right there. Yes, with a, yeah. uh, within a classic, really, because yeah. there's yeah. so much going on. Not really standard fare, though, for an out-of-nowhere rock anthem, <laughs> if you think about it. No, it isn't, but it, it is funny how, how many people over the years have rallied around that song. Yes. And, I mean, the video that goes with it, you mm-hmm. know, the footage of Godzilla destroying Tokyo over yep. and over and over and over. <laughs> I don't know. People just glom onto that. They dig the destruction, you know. And props to Blue Oyster Cult for grabbing the zeitgeist on that. Oh, yeah. And doing a tune called Godzilla. And, you know, it's, it's funny. Modern days, because this was back in uh, late 70s, I believe, they uh, did it this. It came out on the 1977 album Spectres, yeah, that's I believe. quite a while ago. Yeah, but even modern hip hop, several times that I could think of, has sampled that um, that brass segment, which yeah. they of course do with a guitar in the song. Yeah, that and. There's even a professional wrestler, uh, Samoa Joe, whose right. entrance music no is that, that brass refrain yeah. from the Godzilla theme. Yeah. Because everybody recognizes it. Oh, yeah. You know? And it's totally tongue-in-cheek, the lyrics. Oh, no, oh, yes. there goes Tokyo. Yep. You yep. know? That's great stuff. That's and they, great they stuff. talked about, you know, nature and the folly of man and what happens when we screw around with stuff. Yeah. And that was never really until modern times, like within the last 10, 20 years, that's not the light that they ever painted Godzilla in. It wasn't like he was a result of a nuclear accident. Well, I think, actually, um, you know, people that get really into sci-fi and whatnot Mm -hmm. have always considered that metaphorical to uh, the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And uh, and the Japanese making a statement in regards to that. Mm -hmm. And obviously put in a modern context, you know, we know a lot more now about nuclear energy and the perils of than we did back then. Right. But it was it's definitely been construed by those, you know, in the science fiction community as the Japanese making a statement in regards to that. And in the atomic age, I mean, look how many famous movies all featured a giant spider, Mm -hmm. giant ants, a fifty foot woman. Everything was like giant atomic, mm-hmm. this is what's going to happen kind of yeah, stuff. So yeah, the Japanese really, took it to the nth yeah, degree. That was an honest-to-God fear that they had back yes. then because they didn't understand you know, the potential repercussions of nuclear energy. Yep. You know, Once again, mankind was getting into something that they didn't fully understand and, and turning just it loose. Just because you could doesn't mean, mean you, you should. should. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, Jeff Goldblum is going to live on forever, <laughs> courtesy of that line. Yep. Yeah, you know. But obviously, we, we play that, as we frequently do with the gems, uh, for a couple of different reasons. Sure. You know, we well have an out. agenda. You know, <laughs> we do indeed. And our agenda is quite possibly bigger than Godzilla. But it, it, it is a monster. It is a monster, which is, which is why we threw that out there. And obviously, you know, the whole Halloween thing has a little bit of something to do with it. But, yeah, when we were talking pre-show, you know, one of the things that we decided on in regards to the topic is that mm-hmm. Google is a monster. Yep. And uh, I know, you know, everybody that listens to the show is dialed into current events. Uh, <laughs> because we have a highly educated audience. A very erudite audience. Yes, you know. <laughs> But uh, for those who aren't, you know, who possibly haven't been paying attention, and even for those who have, uh, the heavyweight bout of the century mm. is is coming down, coming down the pike at us. The uh, the United States uh, recently filed filed antitrust. Uh, what's the what's the word? An antitrust lawsuit? Yes, I yes, guess work. Mm-hmm. against Google. Um, it's it's two titans squaring off, and it's 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 going to be ugly. It's yep. going to be really ugly. You know, the, uh, basically what happened was back in September 2019, a group of uh, 50 attorneys general 
uh, from 48 states, the District of Columbia, and Puerto Rico, the Puerto hmm. Ricans are jumping in on this, uh, unveiled a major antitrust investigation into Google. And of course, just a few days ago, the results of that investigation, the DOJ has sued Google. Uh, they are alleging that, uh, that Google has stifled competition in order to maintain its leading position in the marketplace. Uh, 11 states have joined the lawsuit since then in what is uh, potentially the largest antitrust case against the tech company in over 20 years. Right. They're and they're only off. the first that's lined oh, up for this. Oh, yeah. You know Zuckerberg is paying attention mm-hmm. to this, and so is that... That wacky Twitter dude. from Twitter, <laughs> yeah. You know, they're watching this, too, going, oh, shit, here it comes. Right. You know? And it's funny because, I mean... Even though I'm, you know, a little bit on the left side, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm fully invested in capitalism, and I think that's one of the advantages that the United States has fully had. And these guys are the epitome of, you know, success mm-hmm. uh, of capitalism. Sure, these guys are a monster. I don't know how many people are fully aware of how huge a beast Google is. It's easy not to think about it. And there's, there's a part of people that just don't want to think about it. Yeah. It's where they get their information. I mean, I'm a, I am a Google guy, let's say. Oh, and yeah. in particular because I have the Google Pixel phone, which I love. It's the best mm-hmm. phone I ever owned. Mm-hmm. It's wired directly into my car. Yeah. And it knows once I plug it in, if I've looked for directions to a certain place, my car knows it. I mean, Google is just that massive. It's intuitive. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's already bordering on artificial intelligence. Yep. But if you want to talk about the epitome of too big to fail... Bring it. You yeah, facts, you don't know, you? If I, I got my facts. <laughs> I got my facts straight here. You know? I got my facts learned, to quote Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> uh, just to give you an idea how big a monster Google is, uh, back in 2013, uh, Google faced a, a ser- service outage for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Right, five minutes, relatively short a per- period of time. Uh, there was a drop of 40% of worldwide internet traffic. Wow. 40% of worldwide internet traffic. Let me repeat that for mm-hmm. emphasis. 40% of fucking worldwide internet traffic. This is why we played Godzilla, folks. Yeah. We're talking <laughs> a monster here, kids. Um, I mean, it goes on and on. Uh, Google, of course, has a parent company called Alphabet, which is Google. I mean, let's not bullshit mm-hmm. each other. Alphabet employs 127,000 people. Mm. That's a monster. All right? Google now owns about 87% of the world market share of search engines. You know, it's, it's, it's stunning. And to give you an idea, you know, we were just talking about, you know, foreign countries and perception and whatnot. Um, <laughs> China has blocked Google. Mm-hmm. You know, the Chinese may be a step ahead on this one. They recognize this for the monster that it is and said, we're not having it. Right. You know, I mean... Again, I don't think people understand what a beast this is. To give you an idea of the playing field that the Googles and the Facebooks of the world and the Twitters of the world plan, back in 2006, October of 2006, um, Alphabet, again, Google, acquired YouTube for $1.65 billion. All right, this is the playing field that these guys play on. I, I mean, most people can't even conceptualize a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. That's a stunning, absolutely stunning amount of money. That's a lot of French fries. In June of 2017, to pound this point home, uh, Google was fined $2.7 billion for breaching uh, <laughs> European Union antitrust rules. All right, Google's not 
a stranger to antitrust territory. Right. Okay, $2.7 billion. Didn't seem to really slow them down at all. Right. You know? Um, the European Union, or the European Commission, I should say, found that Google denied consumers a genuine choice by using search engine to unfairly steer them to its own shopping platform. Mm-hmm. You know? Google pays uh, Apple billions of dollars every year to make Google the default search engine on Apple's phones. Right. You know, on the flip side, Google generates billions of dollars in ad revenue for Apple. I mean, again, this is the playing field that these knuckleheads play on. Yep. It's They're astounding. All in bed together. Oh, and if you thought that that $2.7 billion fine maybe made Google stop and say, eh, maybe we shouldn't do that. In July of 2018, Google was ordered by the European Commission to pay $5 billion for unfairly pushing its apps on smartphone users and thwarting competition. In addition to the fine, Google was ordered to stop the practice within 90 days or face additional penalties. Think it slowed them down? You know, A, you take yes, a check? B, no. Uh, <laughs> In March of 2019, you know, a scant nine months later, the European Commission ordered Google to pay $1.7 billion for abusing its dominant position in the online search advertising network. And they allowed them to pay this fine in Bitcoin. Yes. <laughs> very, very convenient. Google bucks. Yeah. The Commission, the European Commission, found that Google blocked its rivals for placing advertisements on third-party websites by imposing exclusivity clauses in AdServe contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, could we, could we possibly define antitrust right. territory better than that? Now, where were those, those politicians we put in office? Because I'm sure there's an oversight committee on this. You would think. It sounds like they've been asleep at the wheel. You would think. Yeah. You would think, but cha-ching. And as I had mentioned once before, I mean, if this or when this, this goes to a, a courtroom-like setting or even just an arbitration... Yeah. I find it hard to believe that anybody we prop up from Washington, these lawmakers and their ridiculous, you know, uh, hearings that they have where they try to spook these people, yeah. these big techs aren't going to flinch. Well, this will give you an idea how <laughs> completely out of control this is. You know these companies donate equally to the left and the right, to yep. the Republican Party and to the Democratic it's Party. the only reason they can get yeah. this big. And they have, you know, the best lobbyist money could possibly mm-hmm. buy. But despite all this, the U.S. apparently got frightened enough, frightened enough that they're going down this road. They're going into antitrust territory. They're taking them to court. But again, who are we going to prop up to take them on? Lindsey Graham? (laughs) Adam Schiff? Are you kidding me? That's that's a, that's a really might really be time good to question. give Hillary a call because this this looks like suicide territory yeah, right here. Yeah, and she's she's just vicious enough <laughs> that she could potentially pull it off. Get that Arkansas mafia involved. Yeah. Well, again, the concept of too big to fail. Yeah. You know, if these guys go down for five minutes and forty percent of all internet traffic stops. Right. You know what kind of you know how they're they're holding the entire world hostage. Right. And, uh, you know, you, you can't fault a company, particularly an American company, for getting as big as they possibly can. Right. That's their job. Yeah. But it's like blaming the, a shark for eating. That's what they do. Yeah. But at the same time, it's up to U.S. regulators and oversight, you know, commissions to say, hey, this is getting out of control. You know, if, if, we, were, if we learned anything from the 2008 debacle, you know, with these monster banks, mm-hmm. you know, you can't allow companies to get so big that they can hold... The United States and, you know, in this case, 
quite frankly, the rest of the world hostage. You right. can't have that. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's, there's, there's uh, precedence for this you know, with what the U.S. did with Standard Oil. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what the U.S. did with AT&T. Right. And, and it all worked out. Yeah, it, it truly did. Well, I mean, we're still here. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, this is, this is some scary shit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, in my personal opinion, you know, as frightened as so many people are and as, as so much of the, the drums of panic have been beating about the upcoming election, mm-hmm. I find this to be far more significant. Yeah. Well, I someone's going to have to deal with this now. Yeah. Regardless of who wins, someone needs to deal with this. And it, it, it's going to be ugly, especially because, you know, like we've alluded to, clearly there are people at the highest level in somebody's pocket, mm-hmm. you know, because this is why they've gotten so big, is why no one's done anything yet. Yeah. But, you know, a couple years ago, the big uh, the hullabaloo was all about net neutrality. Right. And I didn't get overly concerned with it because at the time, at least the perception was there, that with all these different providers... Even if somebody's slanted like in one direction, say if there's five big providers, the other four would be you know, calling it down the middle. So it mm-hmm. wasn't that bad of a deal. But now I kind of see the next layer, which a lot of people were probably alluding to, that if you've got somebody controlling you know, 80% of the Internet, yeah. they are going to write, they write the narrative now. Yeah. Whatever they choose reality to be is what it's going to be. Yeah, and somebody comes along and says, hey, you can't do that. Their response is, Fuck you. Yeah, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Are you going to find me a billion dollars? Here's yeah, a check. This Go is, away. This is the way, this is the way that you got, these guys do business. Uh, from 2001 to 2017, uh, Google bought or acquired, I guess is the correct word, as many as 2014 companies per month. Oof. From 2017 on, they bumped it up to one company a week. You know, oh, the right. competition comes up, they either buy you out or they put you out of business. This is like the mafia this on Uber totally steroids. Like you know, on nuclear fucking steroids, yep. you know? I mean, this is, this is, this is the implications of this are, are so beyond far-reaching. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Right. And you're going to have the highest paid, finest legal talent in the world lining up on either side of the ball on this one right. to have at it. Now, on a, on a smaller scale, uh, dealing primarily just with, with entertainment, um, my other rub right now is what all these streaming services are doing. Yep. And they're all directly connected to the big carriers, whether it's like Apple, or Google, or Facebook. And at this point, you've got, and let's include Netflix, because they do have some original content. Sure. But you've got Netflix, you've got Apple Plus, you've got Hulu, you've got Peacock. Mm-hmm. And now HBO Max is like the next one, because they've garnered all the all Warner Brothers like, catalogs. Nothing is going to be freely available to the general public anymore unless they subscribe to one of these services. Yeah, and to footnote that, an obvious point, nothing was ever freely available to the public per se. If you wanted to watch shows, you know, 40, 50 years ago on ABC, NBC, CBS, which I think that was pretty much it. That was Mm -hmm. your choices, 10 stations, whatever. You had to watch the advertising. You know, right. The advertising right. element has always been there, but it has never been monetized like it is now. Right. Right. You know, that's the new wave. And it, it, you know, the freaky thing is, and this is what made me think about this recently, you can't watch It's a Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Yes. Because the whole Peanuts catalog has now been purchased by Disney. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, 
I, I've I've seen some episodes of the show The Mandalorian on Disney because I'm a Star Wars fan. Yep. And I have ways of getting these things without paying for them. I'm just going <laughs> to leave it at that. Yes. Um, and I got a call from Big Brother, let's say, who saw really? that I had downloaded oh, yeah. this thing. And no, I was like, no kidding. oh, whoa, so much for that firewall. Yeah. So, you know, they're very protective of these entities that they own now they're, as they're, well. They're intellectual property. Yes. Yeah. That they're just buying and gobbling up. It's 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 ridiculous, and yeah, each one it maybe ten dollars a pop, okay, mm-hmm. but that shit adds up, and before it adds, you know it, it adds up it, quickly. You get four, but that's forty to fifty dollars a month, and plus with taxes and the other nonsense. Yeah, that goes on top in there. of your basic basic service, whatnot. Right. Yeah, and the thing is, everybody gravitated towards streaming because cable was out of control. Yeah. So, like me, for instance, I get all the stuff I possibly can handle for say fifty dollars a month. Versus 120 if I go through one of the big cable companies. Yeah. You know, I'm not about to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, if they keep nickel and dime and everything, it's eventually going to level out. And it's like, well, what, what's the benefit to a streaming service now? Yeah. To their one original show that people tend to like? Mm-hmm. So you get, what, 10 episodes of a new show like every three years? Because <laughs> that's how long <laughs> it takes to produce this stuff. It would seem, yeah. It's just, you know, it, it's particularly shitty being a consumer just floating on, on the ocean of somebody else's intentions, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, maybe I was going to watch Charlie Brown. Maybe I wasn't. But I'd like to just be able to do it, you yeah. know? Now, I say all this fully knowing that I've got a giant stack of DVDs <laughs> with probably every holiday special <laughs> worth its weight in shit. So yeah. I'm not exactly suffering. Yeah. Not to mention about a terabyte of other downloaded shows and movies and everything else. I'm just saying, we're already too late getting into this to, to effectively combat it. Yeah. You know, as you touched on, the, the government's just going to get steamrolled yeah, by who's, these people. Who's protecting the American consumer? Nobody. Yeah. And, it, and it's frightening. And, you know, stepping back and taking the big picture uh, into account, in a, in a uh, concept and in a consideration, this has always been the way with technology. Mm-hmm. You know, we create these monsters. We create these scenarios that are way too big. It's like the glove is way too big for the hand it was created for. <laughs> And it gets way the fuck out of control. And like you said, you know, by the time somebody steps up and says, wait a minute, this is fucked up. We've got to do something about this. It is arguably way too late. Yeah. You know, we do this constantly. You know, and you start, you start looking at, you know, science fiction stuff, talking about uh, artificial intelligence, you know, overwhelming, you know, their creators and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You know, these, these, these are science fiction con- concepts that date back decades. But you start looking at little episodes and, and little things like this, and you start thinking, you know, that's not that far off. It's, right. you know, there is that potential yep. because we keep creating these things that we can't control. And the big companies keep gobbling up. And I thought this was something we, we fought against in the 80s and the late 80s with yeah. just acquisitions and destroying these companies and gobbling them up. Yeah. Now, another like offshoot of this is, and I think I had mentioned once or twice in the show, I don't play many video games, mostly because I'm just old and slow right now. Yep. But I'm a huge fan of the Fallout series. Okay. And it's, it's such a phenomenon that this was going to be a live-action show on this new HBO Max streaming really? series. Right? Yeah. So I'm all excited. Oh, me and all the other nerds <laughs> that are playing this game. Well, Microsoft swooped in about two weeks ago yeah. and bought the company that produces this game, as well as some other very popular ones, and, you know, I normally play this on, on a PS4. So now you can't expect Microsoft to play with Sony. Oh, They're Jesus. like arch enemies. So yep, yep. that's the end of this. But then I'm thinking to myself, as far as the intellectual rights and everything, is Microsoft going to be able to play with, 
you know, this, this Warner conglomerate now. Mm-hmm. And I, Intellectual rights, proprietary equipment. Right. Another great example of this has been the ongoing thing between Fox and Marvel with all of the X-Men movies. Yeah. Because even though it's, it's a Marvel entity, Fox had the rights to produce feature films with this. Interesting. And that's why they're so disjointed. They never lived in the same universe as all these fantastic Marvel movies. Right. So every time they came close to coming up with an agreement... And the last case, it was Spider-Man. So now that's why you see Spider-Man and the Marvel movies because they came to an agreement and they're kind of like sharing the rights. So right. the independently, you know, standalone Spider-Man movies would still be Fox uh-huh. or produced by Columbia, actually. But they can use him, you know, with their Avengers stuff. Right. But again, that, that, does, that doesn't work. Yeah. You know, if you think about it, because it's just an inconvenience. That's why the Fantastic Four movies sucked. Because they couldn't decide who the hell owned them. You know? Yeah. yeah. And it's true. They did suck, which was disappointing. Right. And it the one really thing you never want to mix is, is bean counters and creatives. Because oh, it just doesn't work. Match made in hell. We wind up being the losers. Yeah. Us. Yeah. Yep. Who's protecting the consumer on this one? Nobody. It would seem. Hey. <laughs> Good God. Shall we rant some more, or uh, you want to shift gears here? Let's shift gears, because this is a wacky kind of, what's the word? Just a, a, a combo episode, it, if you yeah, will. Because well, it's a strange time of the year. It's October. It is. It is so much actual scary shit going on in the world. We really can <laughs> skip Halloween. Halloween is, is every day. It's true. Good morning, it's Halloween. True. Oh, is it bait tonight, Halloween? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, October <laughs> in and of itself is pretty witchy. It's like the season of death. Right. You know, and yeah, to have all of these things going on. And the wacky weather and, up here in, in New England. Oh, yeah. Where it's like, never mind Indian summer. It's like you're living in King Kong's armpit. You come out in the morning, it's 70 <laughs> degrees and foggy. The fog doesn't lift until noon. If you're, Disgusting. If, yeah, if you're a, if you're a longtime New England resident, if you're a New England native, seventy-seven degrees on October so twenty cool. whatever is fucked up. As it's we speak, really I, I got the AC running at Big Boom Radio yeah, Studios. Yeah, how crazy because, is that, man? Ugh. I know it's it's weird. These are strange days. <laughs> strange days indeed. But on that note, yes, let's do our middle gem, and I All know right. you got a nice one planned for I us. I think this is very appropriate. Um, who isn't a fan of Stevie Ray Vaughan? Whoever they are, I don't want to know them. I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah, low-life individuals. <laughs> they have no business anywhere around here. But, yeah, just this, uh, you know, completely along the lines of everything we've been talking about and everybody's paranoia and everybody's fears these days. Um, this is originally, of course, a, 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 a Stevie Wonder tune, but mm-hmm. Stevie Ray took it and ran with it. And Double Trouble is amazing, amazing band. Uh, yeah, we're going with Stevie's version of Superstition. Such a good choice. So enjoyable. Yeah, we're going to spin that one for you, folks, and we'll be back in a few minutes with some more things and... Yeah. 
Huh? I, I'm, I'm giving that an 11 on the tasty scale, man. I can't Holy even argue. It's Jesus. a solid tune. Yeah. I mean, Stevie was a monster. He was just a monster. But you know what What always jumps out at me with Stevie Ray Vaughan was he had a monster band, Double Trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Chris Layton was a drummer. Uh, a bass legend in Texas, Tommy Shannon, was his bass player. And those guys were so tight. They were just so amazing. I mean, anytime you sit and watch them play, mm-hmm. you know, and all the assorted videos that are out there, um, particularly, particularly their their cover of Voodoo Child, the right, the, right. the Jimmy Hendrix tune, you know, those guys would go anywhere with Stevie. Mm-hmm. You know, Stevie was was you know extremely experimental. Um, you know, God only knows what he was going to do on any particular song. They covered songs. They did songs that left lots of room for Stevie to go off. Mm. But in order to be successful in that kind of situation, you got to have guys that are willing to go with you. Right. You know, and if you ever watch anything that they do, you know, particularly when they when they hit high gear on about, I want to say, 84, 85, mm-hmm. you know, those guys... You know, Leighton and Shannon just locked in, just locked in. And you could see them focusing on Stevie and, like, we're with you, brother. We're going wherever you're going. You know, and they were absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing, hmm. you know. And, I mean, you think about classic three pieces, you know, like Jimi Hendrix and The Experience. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to have those guys right. that were capable of doing whatever it is that they needed to do with your crazy-ass, 
you know, lead guitar player who's apt to go anywhere, right, you know? Right. And Stevie was fucking out of his mind. He was crazy, you know? <laughs> and about the time that they did Superstition, it's funny, I read, you know, up on Stevie and whatnot, um, one of his favorite things to do, and he picked it up from, you know, country legend George Jones, uh-huh. um, you know, they were big cocaine heads. They, they all loved snorting coke, and that was the way in the 80s and, uh, and whatnot. But Stevie had fucked his nose up so bad he couldn't snort coke anymore. So he would pour coke in a shot glass with Crown Royal and throw it down. <laughs> you know, that was, that was his way of doing it when his nose wouldn't work with him anymore. Right. And uh, it eventually, of course, rotted his innards out, you know, no fucked his stomach all up. And, you know, eventually led to Stevie getting sober and getting straight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- there's this myth that, you know, drugs and alcohol somehow contribute to how well you play. But from the time Stevie got square, he got squared away. You know, his plan took off. Mm-hmm. I mean, as good as he was prior to, I mean, he went into the stratosphere at that point, and right. the boys sobered up with him, you know. Uh, fortunately, Chris Layton didn't need to go to rehab, but Tommy Shannon, you know, was as fucked up as Stevie was. And, you know, they both did rehab together, and then when, you know, they got together once they got squared away, I mean, it was like watching a rocket take off. Mm. I mean, these guys were absolutely amazing, and superstition is a good example of right. it, you know. I mean, just uh, I mean, I'm drooling all over myself talking about Stevie Ray Vaughan. He was a, just an absolute monster, and uh, and you know, as far as the song choice goes, again, very appropriate for October, you know, and all that's going on right now with sure. Halloween and and this is, this. I guess, kind of a not only a Michael Sean Lee episode, but <laughs> our, our de facto Halloween episode. It, it, it is, it is, it is, and uh, it was hard to follow up from from last year. I think we killed it last year with our with our. Well, uh, we were just babes in, in the woods at that oh, point. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know? but we came, I think that was like a 12-gem episode that we did last year. I honestly don't even remember it, so it must have been a good it time. It was a good <laughs> night. It was a very good night. But, uh, but yeah, you know, taking off from that and, and, and going where we're going, um, you know, the time of the year and, uh, and, again, all the things that are going on and the focus, I hope, is, you know, on Halloween and the fun that comes with this. Um, can't help but ask you, Johnny, mm. what scares you? Oof. This election? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was the low-hanging fruit, man. Come on right, now. Right. Come now, on I'm now. talking about actual fears. Um, I mean, because there's so much. I mean, we're in New England. You yeah. know, this is like Stephen King country. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I, well, I, I tell you what. Here, here's, here's my, uh, my segue into an actual answer. Because right. the answer to that is super easy. Okay. How I came about it um, is a little different. Because there's not many things... I'm afraid of. And okay. it doesn't mean I'm, I'm braver than the next guy. Yeah. But as I mentioned once before, I was sick a lot as a kid yeah. and dealing with pneumonia and whatnot. And when I would get very bad fevers, I would have what are called fever dreams. Oh. And the difference I have between, heard of fever dreams. Yeah, the difference yes. between a, like a fever dream and a conventional nightmare would be when the lights come on, the monsters are still there. <laughs> and quite literally, you know, even when I would go home to convalesce, I would still be getting these fever dreams. Yeah. And something like uh, whatever a kid's conception of scary might be, you know, Frankenstein or something, yeah. would be sitting at the end of the bed and my dad comes in because I'm yelling and screaming. He's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, it's Frankenstein's right here. Yeah. He's like, he would go and then sit on the bed with me. He's like, Johnny, there's, there's no monster. I'm like, he's right here, you know. Yeah. And I would get this recurring one um, when I was in the hospital in the oxygen tent and everything. 
of these, this group of people who were like almost invisible, but I could still like make out the shapes, yeah. ghostly forms, if you will, okay. uh, dressed up like turn of the century party goers with the straw hats and the, the striped, you know, seersucker suits and everything. Yeah. And they would be clawing at the tent trying to get me to, quote unquote, join them. Okay. No shit. Yeah. So, you know, dealing with shit like that as a five year old kind of made me immune to everything else that the world said, oh, this shit's scary. Yeah. However, uh, the one irrational fever, fever fear. Fever dreams as a five-year-old? Oh, yeah. And wow. I remember them, too, which is even worse. No shit. Wow. But what really, uh, what, what actually frightens me to this day, the only thing that still gets me, is deep, dark water, uh, especially the ocean, when I can't see the bottom. Okay. And that's a direct result of seeing Jaws <laughs> as a kid, which is horrible, because growing up on the Jersey Shore, I spent most of my summer at the beach. Yeah. But even still, like, every year, the same thing. Early on in the season, you know, going into the water, I was very trepidatious. And if I felt myself step on anything like a shell or, God forbid, a crab or something, yeah. I'm like, oh, you know, what, what the hell is that? And yeah. just wasn't a big fan of the dark water. And it's Well, man, I, I don't think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm venturing out here a little bit, but I highly doubt that you're alone in that territory. Oh, sure, sure. I mean, if you remember, I, I saw Jaws in the, in the movies, mm-hmm. movie theaters, you know, back in the day. You know, when you go and you, you, you know, it would be one screen in one movie theater and blah, blah, blah. And I very, very distinctly remember the first time I saw Jaws. Now, I was waiting for, you know, the nine o'clock show or whatever it was. And we're all lined up, you know, because this was one of the first ever summer blockbusters. Mm-hmm. You know, S- Steven Spielberg pretty much created that. Sure. And, you know, we're all waiting in line. And the other movie was, you know, it was just about over. It was like 10 minutes left. And suddenly the door burst open. And a girl, you know, a young girl, probably 13, 14, came screaming out of the theater going, I can't, I can't, I can't stay with it anymore, you know? And obviously, you know, the, the guy that, the, you know, poor slob that thought he was going to get a little afterwards and took, <laughs> right. took her to the show, you know, comes running out after her, you know? And it was obviously the scene where, you know, Quint gets it, where he slides right, into right. the, you know, shark's, shark's mouth and it's shaking him back and yep. forth and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, there was, there was that shock aspect of that movie. And, yeah, I, I can't help but speculate that you are not alone, brother, yeah. in, in, in having that effect of seeing that movie. I think there are a lot of people that it probably It really just is like one of those, those classic uh, imagery kind of things. It's, it's foreboding and scary, whatever you don't see the extent of, that, yeah. that mystery. Oh, yeah. Um, and even, you know, as I would get older, if I was ever under, like, stress and I had things prying on my mind... I would have dreams whether I was out at sea, like mm-hmm. maybe floating on a very tiny piece of wood or something, yeah. or I'd be walking along the beach, and in the distance, probably about a mile out, would be a giant tidal wave heading towards me. Yeah. So I might have been safe right now on terra firma, yeah. but within a couple minutes, I was going to be hit oh, by yeah. this deluge of dark, scary water. You know? oh, yeah. Well, when you think about it, when we're on land, human beings are the top of the food chain. Exactly. You know, but you get in the ocean, you get in the water, you, and all the you water don't have is, that you know, anymore. The way I see it, all the ocean is is one giant nasty graveyard <laughs> of just things. They're pissing, they're shitting in the water, they're dying, things are eating other things in the water. Oh, yeah. It's disgusting. It's a completely different <laughs> ecosystem. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I can I can relate to that. That that movie jarred me around too. But there there are other things I think I found more far more scary. Like being originally from from the New England area, and my mm-hmm. my family has a long history of uh, being up in Maine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, you know, being a being an avid reader, a, a, a really really uh, I don't know what the word is. Uh, a voracious reader, I guess. If right. I don't have a book that I'm currently reading, I get a little 
fucking freaky. Mm-hmm. You know, I digested a shit ton of Stephen King. Right. And uh, man, if you drive around, you know, rural Maine, you know, you get out of the get out of the the, the settled areas, if you will, and you get up into the woods and whatnot. It gets a little freaky on you. Oh, no doubt. You you see these abandoned barns and whatnot. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're at Salem's Lot, you know, you start looking at these things (laughs) and it's like, yeah, I could see see vampires hanging out there, man. I could see, you know. And it's kind of of freaky deaky, you know. And being originally from Massachusetts, of course, we have Salem, Mm -hmm. you know, and the Crucible and the Salem Witches. And, uh, you know, it's funny how popular uh, that gets right around Halloween. And, you know, the tourist uh, uh, trade, the, the, the number of people that go through Salem in October, you know, is, is formidable. And it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's funny how it attracts people. And I, I remember, actually, a couple of years ago, probably 2008, 2009, um, I was back in, back in Massachusetts, and I went to see The Crucible on around the end of October and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it was... It was it was scary, you know, the juxtaposition of being there during that time period. You know, it was obviously, you know, three, four hundred years prior to um, it. It reached you, you know, mm-hmm. it, it fucked with your psyche. It, 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 it touched base and it, it was, you know, you stepped. I, I remember stepping outside of the theater at the break to have a cigarette. You know, and the, the trees were barren and the wind was blowing. Right, and it was right. like, fuck. Yeah, hey, it's, Jesus, it's very, you know? you know, really on the whole of New England. The first thing I noticed when I moved up here was that the, the storms were much different yeah. than what I was used to in New Jersey. And this is yeah. coming from somebody who's dealing with you know, hurricanes and blizzards, you sure. name it. Yeah. But looking back in, in retrospect, we had better thunder down there, <laughs> but nobody can hold a candle to New England lightning. Yeah. And that wind you yeah. mentioned. It's yeah. very atmospheric. Oh, yeah. And the lightning, it's like spider webbing across the sky and shit. Oh, yeah. It's like so theatrical. And maybe that's why our thunder's better than Jersey, because we don't get that much lightning. Yeah. But up here, and it just it casts like those instant shadows. And you do see flights of, of bats, you know, flying oh, yeah. out from the, the old barns and mm-hmm. churches. And, oh, yes, you do. Because you all love your old architecture up oh, here, I too. Know, you don't I throw know. away anything. No, we don't. And it, and, it, and it comes on in the fall. It really does. Yeah. When, again, when the leaves are gone from the trees, mm-hmm. you know, suddenly you get that stark, yep. like, yep. you know, perspective and whatnot. But... Uh, but of course, you know, being from Jersey, you you guys have a have a have a. Oh, we have some stuff and things. Yeah, yeah you got you got. Some well, stuff. allow me to, to spin you a yarn. Yes. Of the resident monster of New Jersey, known as the Jersey Devil. Yes. And um, wow, where does one begin? I believe it was the late 1700s. Uh, a woman named Mrs. Leeds uh, was about to have her 13th child. Oh, Jesus. And she was uh, in Dutch with the husband. They weren't getting along, and he was out drinking and whatnot. And when she decided to have this 13th baby, she purportedly had yelled at the sky, shaking her fist, may the devil take him. Well, you know, having 13 kids... (laughs) Well, that'll do it to you, sure. I mean, look, it's a vagina, not a clown car, right? poor woman, good God. (laughs) So she has this baby. The baby comes out horribly deformed, uh, looking like something like from the plains of hell, and uh, shrieks, kind of slaps her in the face, and flies off into the night. Okay? Thus is born the legend of the Jersey Devil. Okay. And over the uh, hundreds of years now, this is, uh, it's, it's had some sightings and especially like during the 50s and everyone's yep. like even respectable people you know patrolmen and, and clergymen they've, they've seen something yeah. and 
it's all a lot of hooey. Well, the, the, reality, the, stretches, <laughs> the stretches of Jersey, I've, I've driven through Jersey on more than a few occasions that right. are haunting. And that's, that's, that's the scary. thing, you know, unless you're from New Jersey, everybody's vision of New Jersey is just the, the industrial section of the north with yep. the stink and all the roads and mm-hmm. the dense population. But once you hit the halfway point and go south, yep. you're in God's country. Oh, yeah. And it's a giant area known as the Pine Barrens mm-hmm. and the residents known as Pineys. And this is where you get two things, cranberry bogs and pine trees. That's it. And if you, like, break down there overnight, good luck. Stay in your car (laughs) because literally, I mean, you could do it all down there. You could film Deliverance. You can have, you know, the Jeepers Creepers monster come flying in. Your mind will really take off. But the, the fun thing is that there is an element of fact to the whole story because okay. this Leeds family did, in fact, live in that particular area of Jersey. And to this day, a lot of the houses are still there. And I went to a college, see, I remain anonymous, yep. uh, that was right on Jimmy Leeds Road. Okay. <laughs> lived on an apartment there on Leeds Avenue. Yep. And even uh, in, in the show Boardwalk Empire, yep. um, a lot of it took place in the southern Jersey area all on these same towns and these same roads and I yep. was I would laugh myself watching this I'm like it's never changed yeah. so there is this sense of, of of history and these I guess you can't call them hillbillies per se but they're pineys okay and I remember the first time attending this now university I went into this local tavern okay yeah. and it was a tavern in the truest sense original okay. wood floors big crackly fireplace and then a bizarre bearded fat man in the corner eating a turkey leg. <laughs> I was going to let that set. This is exactly what I walked into, right? Setting the atmosphere. Right. And yeah. I went with a friend who worked at the college, and I was getting an internship there. And he's like, oh, yeah, let's go to Jimmy Leeds Tavern and, and, and get something to eat. So I'm like, okay, you know. Yeah. And, yeah, we walked in, middle of the winter. There's this old fat man with a beard staring at us. They're staring at us like we're, like, you know, because Hollywood performers. They always stare you down. Y'all ain't from around here, is you? It's like, <laughs> holy woolly swamp. And, uh, yeah, the place was just so quaint. Yeah. I didn't get a turkey leg, though. I was afraid. Mm. But, um, yeah, that is the tale of Jersey Devil. So a lot of people are just like, well, I now thought that was the name of the hockey you, team. Yeah, I was going to say, there's, there's roots to that story. And the, there's the, a the lot of roots. And you could like, wiki it, and it's, you know, it... The actual Jersey Devil, it kind of has a horse's head, like a body of a dog, and uh-huh. then like bat or dragon-looking wings. Right. Um, it's, 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 again, it's, it's scary, and it lends itself down say, to that area. That's pretty goddamn scary. It's, it's pretty grotesque. Yeah. And then there's also been, you know, they would find some carcasses, and they were like, oh, this could be the Jersey it's Devil. The look devil. at it. It's like a horse head. I mean, yeah. look, you leave anything out long enough to start rotting. It looks like whatever you want it to look like, <laughs> right? But, you know, whenever uh, farm animals will get mutilated and stuff like that, they're like, yeah. oh, Jersey Devil's back. Yeah. When in reality, a lot of the stuff were, was caused by uh, bandits and robbers and then later on, mobsters, because it was a right. main artery for bootlegging to start going from the shore where they pick it up yeah. into Philadelphia. And these guys, they're nuts. They would shoot anything that moved out there. Right, right. So it's like anything. All these stories, they're, they're rooted in fact. But it, it, it's a quaint old story. And yeah. it's Halloween, so I thought I'd share that with everybody. I, I like <laughs> it, man. I like it. No, that, that was educational, man. I had not known that story. I didn't know there was anything to the New Jersey Devils hockey yep. team's name. Yep. And, uh, and no, that's interesting <laughs> stuff. You know, it's funny. You go you know, state to state. Um, 
so many places have their legends. Sure. And, sure. Uh, and they have their spook stories and yeah. whatnot. West Virginia you know? has the Mothman. Yep. Who's, yep. They've had all these sightings over the years of the, the Mothman. And oh, I yeah. think of that because that's in my latest edition of Fallout that I'm playing. Yep. Um, and the, the Flatwoods Monster. But yeah, every, every state has this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, you, of course, including the Pacific Northwest, you've got Bigfoot stories. Oh, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And as a kid, I was fascinated with Bigfoot. Of course. And I, like yourself, could not read enough when something interested me. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I remember reading books like written by adults about Bigfoot. Yeah. And they were a lot different than the common perceived notion of Bigfoot. Big jolly guy that's just kind of elusive, you know. Yeah. It was like Bigfoot would attack, you know, railroad workers that were out there. And these were the guys that were spreading these these stories, oh, you know, yeah. like we don't know what it was, but it came and it attacked us and yep. killed a dude. And well you get back, you know, a couple couple of decades, couple hundred years or whatever, you know, beyond where, you know, media was so interconnected everywhere mm-hmm. and whatnot, and you had things happen that could not be explained. Right. So that's <laughs> when the local myths kick in, and it's like, well, it was obviously this. It yeah. was Bigfoot. It was the New Jersey Devil. It was the Mothman, you know. Yep. Of course, you know, you've seen the movie The Mothman Prophecies, I'm sure. Yep. You know, every, every region, you know, has their, has their spook stories. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you've ever been down to Louisiana, uh, but you get outside of New Orleans, you get outside of the populated areas, shit gets funky. Yeah. It gets very, very funky. And that's know? an area rich in, in history and culture. As uh-huh. new as the United States is on the world stage still, yeah. there's something very old about mm-hmm. New Orleans and Louisiana oh, yeah. that you don't see with the exception of maybe New York and Boston. Yeah. You know, It's got a sinister flavor to it that's yeah. easy to find if you look in the right places. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You go back enough years... You're going to find the local legends. Right. And uh, you're going to find the unexplainable. Mm-hmm. And you're going to find the stories that people have came, come up with to uh, somehow try to get a grip on whatever it was that happened. You right. know, and people disappear and, you know, mm-hmm. you know lo- livestock end up dead, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, all of these things contribute. And they're, they're all kind of fun. Sure, you know, they they sure. really are. And people take pride in their, their local monster legends. Oh, That's how they become sports mascots and, and things like that. Yep, you know? yep, yep. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Again, getting back to it, you know, being a, 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 I don't know, a fairly dialed-in guy as far as media and whatnot, never knew there was a legend behind the New Jersey Devils. Yep. You know, and that was very educational. Thank you, you know. for sharing that, You're John. welcome. Now, you know? since we're on this devil theme, yeah. where is that going to take us, Mr. Um, th- Third Jim? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking we gotta, I got one Jim up my sleeve. Uh, I know I've, I've been uh, restricted, I guess I could say. As far Censored as, uh, is the word. Yes, Censored. Yes, as far as you know, references <laughs> to certain bands and whatnot. But, you know... Fittingly enough, I've been given the go on this one. Because you, you lobbied very well for it. It's very appropriate for the I moment. I had to acquiesce. Yes, yes. Uh, people that are familiar with the podcast know I'm a huge fan of Jane's Addiction. Uh, Jane's Addiction actually did two different versions of this song. They did a version way, way back in 1987 for their first album. It was a live album of a show they taped at the Roxy in Los Angeles. But this most recent version, I feel, is, is, is so much stronger and it's so much more appropriate. They did this for the soundtrack uh, to uh, a very, very popular TV series called Sons of Anarchy. Mm. And it may have very well been for the last episode of Sons of Anarchy. I could be, I could be wrong on that. But uh, this is Jane's Addiction covering a classic Rolling Stones song, uh, Sympathy for the Devil. Outstanding. All right, we're going to throw this one at you folks. and We'll be back in a few minutes with some more... 
things and
like that version of Sympathy for the Devil. As much as I love the Stones version, <laughs> I do dig that one. I do. I so. think the one thing that the Stones, the Stones has over that is it, it, it's older, and maybe it's just because of the Stones, but hearing Mick Jagger sing in the voice of the devil is different than oh, the, anybody the, else doing it. The original it. version is spooky. It's fucking scary. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that Mick went there at the time that they did that. Yeah. Um, I think, I don't think it was Let It Bleed. I think it might have been, uh, God, I forget the album it was on. Well, it's Banquet, one of those, maybe. Those, those songs that we all wish we could hear again for the first time. Yeah. You know? Oh, it was haunting. And it was <laughs> like, again, it was like, wow, I can't believe they went there during right. that time. And it was right around the time of Altamont. Mm-hmm, As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, the shit hit the fan at Altamont when they were playing that tune. Right. You know? But here it is years later, and you know, I really dig Jane's interpretation of it. I thought it was cool. I thought the orchestration, the, the arrangement, everything about well, it. Well, you, sir, are entitled to that. You've earned it. <laughs> and now, once again, that. to go back into the closet, if I never hear Jane's addiction again, I'll be all right. Come talk to me at episode 60. That ban will be lifted. Enough, fair enough. All right, all right. <laughs> I will count down the episodes until we get to sixty, and then we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll get back on this. Make it a so. whole Jane's addiction episode. Yeah, with some clash thrown in. And I'm I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. I truly am. And some Rolling Stones seasides that you found, <laughs> you know, in a record store in Albuquerque. <laughs> it's all good. Very good. I look forward to it. All right. So, John, what's going yes, on at Big Boom Radio this week? Oh, just the usual nonsense. All but right. Uh, we got a slate of new shows coming up in the in the uh, in the ensuing next two weeks. All right. Um, just updating our regular slate of shows, injecting some new life in there. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. Let's see. Uh, let's see. We've unveiled uh, Aerosmith Volume Two for the Classic Rock Showcase. Nice. I know nice. you're a big fan. I am indeed. Um, and uh, some other acts I'm currently working on, which yes. will be secret. Very good. Uh, but some that I'm like, you know what? I think they have enough material. We should do an episode for them. So we got I some like fun it. stuff coming up. Right. Keeping it new and fun and different. Uh, the listening numbers, if I could be as obscene as to actually quote <laughs> our numbers, like we're on Fox News. I'm standing here waving him off, folks. I'm <laughs> waving him off. Don't more, go there, John. More people tuning in, man. It's making it more <laughs> well, and no, more worth a, it every day. I'm, I'm happy about that. I am. I am. Catching like wildfire. Yeah. I don't have a Maserati yet, but that, that'll come in time. I like it. Yeah. I like it. And hey, not to, not to, not to rain on the parade, but you know, as we do do yes. uh, here at uh, here at Big Boom Radio, uh, got to give a nod to you know a rock and roll legend that has passed. Uh, rest in peace, uh, our man uh, Spencer Davis. Yeah, yeah. Just what two days ago? I think he passed. Was away. it two days yep. ago? Yep. Yeah. But uh, yeah, an, an architect of of early rock and roll mm-hmm. uh, influenced a lot of people that came after him. Sure. And uh, you know. Any, anybody that gets into rock and roll and c- can create a song that lives long, long after they right. pass on, you know, is somebody worth, you know, making a note of and, and giving a nod to. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really what it's all about. You know, people, I mean, he, Spencer was not a one-hit wonder. You right. know, they had a handful of tunes, you know, with the Spencer Davis group. And, mm-hmm. of course, you know, playing, he, he created... You know uh, Stevie Winwood, mm-hmm. um, but you got to give a nod to these guys. That's that's more than you could ever wish for. Right. You know, going into the thing and 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 you know putting together a band and throwing your hat in the ring yeah. and whatnot. So, Perfect example, especially from the '60s, of somebody who had a band in a garage. You know, yeah. with that early electric sound, mm-hmm. branched out, happened to be really good on the keyboards. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's one of those people that definitely the contribution cannot be measured purely in top ten hits. 
but the influence that they had on other artists, especially oh, yeah. at the time. Yeah. And we had uh, featured um, his version of I'm, I'm a, a Man, man. Yes. Uh, one of our early early podcasts, and yep. we were both just jamming out to it. Absolutely. Know? And, of Absolutely. course, everybody knows Give Me Some Lovin'. Uh, if you don't, it's the one that that kid Alex Masters plays in the F-16 in the movie <laughs> Iron Eagle. Yes, that one. And I actually had a chance back in the day <laughs> to see Spencer Davis live. All right. He jumped on stage with the Grateful Dead at the L.A. Forum. This was probably in the early 1990s. And uh, it was so cool to see him front the Grateful Dead. And mm -hmm. they did like a 20-minute version of Give Me Some Lovin'. Nice. And it was just the epitome of Spencer Davis. It sure. was like, the dude is cool. Right. You know? So, Nicely done. Yeah. Rest in peace, Spencer Davis. And uh, thank you for it. Thank you for it all. Yeah. And to everybody else out there, have a safe and enjoyable Halloween. Don't scare yourselves. Don't watch too much TV because that's where the scary shit is. Oh, yeah. And as always, I'm Johnny Teflon. And I'm Michael Sean Lee. And we'll see you on the flip side. Take care.